What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Okay, before we get started with today's episode, have you heard the awesome news? Llama Life now has an iOS app so you can take it with you wherever you go. I have been using Llama Life consistently on my computer for a year now. A year! That's unprecedented. That's like a lifetime in ADHD terms. And now with the new iOS app, I'm able to seamlessly transition between my computer and my iPhone so that my favorite little productivity coach is with me whenever I need it. So what is so special about Llama Life? Well, for starters, it's not a fancy new calendar or planner or complicated productivity management system. It's a time-boxing, single-tasking program that easily integrates with your already existing organizational systems. If you're like me and you struggle with time blindness or maintaining focus throughout your day, then this is the app for you. I love Llama Life because it's simple, effective, and beautifully designed. And dare I say, it makes even the most mundane chore more fun and colorful. If you want to check out the iOS app for yourself, head to the App Store for a free trial and start enjoying that Llama Life for yourself. Even things like organizing social plans and stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this tomorrow. We'll meet up then. And then tomorrow comes in, future Jess is like, why did I make plans? I actually (laughs) hate doing things. Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45, and it completely turned my world upside down. I've been looking back at so much of my life, school, jobs, my relationships, all of it with this new lens, and it has been nothing short of overwhelming. I quickly discovered I was not the only woman to have this experience, and now I interview other women who, like me, discovered in adulthood they have ADHD and are finally feeling like they understand who they are and how to best lean into their strengths, both professionally and personally. Welcome to the eighth installment of my special top 10 replay series, where I am re-releasing 10 interviews that have really stood out to me and really stayed with me in some particular way, either because of the topic or the conversation, or maybe the feedback I received from listeners. For one reason or another, I have chosen these 10 episodes that I feel deserve a replay. Perhaps you missed this one the first time around. Now you'll get a chance to hear it. Or if you did listen to it when it originally aired, I hope you will enjoy listening to it again. This week, I am re-releasing my interview with Jess Keough, which originally aired as episode 33 in May of 2021. This interview was still quite early in the podcast, and Jess was the first guest I had on my show who actually sought her ADHD diagnosis as a result of my podcast and my Instagram account. I was so thrilled and touched and honestly a little scared at this revelation, but just so beautifully and eloquently described the adult diagnosis experience as a woman. She's just so lovely and funny and we had a ton of laughs, so it's no surprise this episode has stayed with me over the years and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Also, I would like to offer a sincere thanks to Jess for sharing her story and for the positive mark she's left on me and hopefully some of you listeners as well. I'll admit she is a tough woman to track down, so I sincerely hope she is doing well in Sydney or wherever it is she hangs her hat nowadays. 
Okay, so as part of my top 10 replay series, I give you episode 33 with Jess Keough. Jess is the founder of The Body Positive, a counseling practice built on the principles of unconditional self-acceptance and body positivity. Jess is a qualified mental health and counseling professional with a degree in psychological science and a bachelor's degree in communications. This is a really special episode for me, as you will soon find out. Jess and I talk all about her own hunch that she might have ADHD and how that came about. And we also talk about how her ADHD has shown up for her in her life and in her career. Now, at the time of our conversation, she had not yet been diagnosed, but she has since been officially diagnosed with ADHD and is now on medication. And she recently wrote to me to say, Katie, I just cannot believe how my life has changed now that I'm medicated. I cannot tell you how much easier life is. Thank you so much for playing a huge part in creating this awareness for me and actually being the catalyst for getting diagnosed. So yeah, that felt awesome to hear. Jess is such an amazing soul, and we basically laugh our way through this whole interview, so I hope you find it entertaining as well. Enjoy. Um, awesome. Are you excited? Are you nervous? I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. I keep holding myself back from messaging you things that pop up like, oh my God, Katie, this happened. Does this mean I've got ADHD? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I feel like I'm your midwife, your ADHD <laughs> midwife. <laughs> totally, totally. And I'm like, boundaries, Jess, boundaries. <laughs> okay, so full disclosure before we get started. Uh, Jess is a body positive counselor and coach, and I interviewed her along with my co-host, Melissa Sacalario, on my other podcast, Hello Body. And so we had started following each other, I guess, like, you know, leading up to that interview, you know, as I started posting more and more on my Instagram account about ADHD, Jess was like liking all of my Instagram posts about ADHD. <laughs> and I, I had said to Melissa, I was like, I think we need to chat about this. And so when we did finally connect I think it's safe to say we live on opposite sides of the planet, but we are basically the same person. Is that yeah, correct? hundred percent, hundred percent. And also the introversion stuff that you post as well. I'm like, yeah, that's me. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, so after we, we recorded the, the Hello Body podcast, I said, Jess, I have to get you on to my Women and ADHD podcast because I want to hear all about this kind of real-time discovery that you've been going through because this is all fairly new to you. Yeah. I mean, it's still fairly new to me. I, I joke about the fact that like I've only been diagnosed for six months in human yeah. years, but like wow. in ADHD years, six months is is like the equivalent of a decade yes. given how much you research. So hundred oh, percent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So um, it, it is amazing. Like once those connections start happening and once those yeah. light bulbs start going off, you just yeah. like, you go into hyperspeed and then you're yeah. like, do I have ADHD? Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah, this is clearly a sign that you have ADHD yeah. if you're hyper-focused. Absolutely. And you don't want to like, I don't want to over-identify with it and be like, oh, that's me. That's me. It just makes so much sense. Like, it's just like everything's fallen into place. Mm -hmm. It's, it's yeah. unbelievable. I know. And there is that fear. I think I, a, a lot of the women I talked to sort of had that feeling of kind of mm -hmm. like, you know, maybe I'm making too much out of this. Yes. Maybe I'm looking for an answer. Yeah. But at the same time, like it really feels like all of these seemingly random yeah. anomalies in your yeah. life can be traced back to this one explanation. And it's overwhelming, it to say so the least. It's so overwhelming. And it's like, 
wow, like maybe it isn't just because I I can't be a proper adult and like keep my room clean. Like (laughs) maybe there's something there, particularly since I'm constantly trying to be neat and tidy and it just doesn't work. I just can't organize myself. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so so let's just um, get started with what I like to ask all of my guests at the very beginning, mm-hmm. which is kind of mm-hmm. what first made you start to think that you had ADHD mm-hmm. and where are you in this diagnosis journey? Sure. So look, until recently, I, I didn't really know much about ADHD. So, you know, even after completing a whole psych degree and studying and working in mental health for years, I'm only just grasping what ADHD actually is. I always connected ADHD with, you know, visions of a, a, a young child, generally a boy if I'm going to stereotype, who, who couldn't sit still and who had difficulties concentrating and talking in class and, and disrupting people. So um, I guess the short answer is that I've only recently had a very strong inkling that my symptoms were ADHD that have been previously diagnosed as depression and, and most recently you know, a potential bipolar 2 diagnosis. I did speak with my psychiatrist about two years ago about the potential of me having ADHD and he actually suggested that I try medication because he sort of identified with the things that I was telling him as well. You know, but we were we were tossing up between is this ADHD or is this sort of like a rapid cycling bipolar 2 disorder, what's going on? Um, and he's like, well, let's just give ADHD medication a try and I, I got cold feet and I sort of didn't want to do it. Um, I don't know why. I just I didn't want me to change. You know, I didn't want yeah. to lose my spark, or, or I, I don't know. I don't know what I was afraid of. I just didn't want my ups and my impulsivity and hyperfocus and all that to go. Because uh, you know, in most of the part, it's quite enjoyable and productive. Yeah, um, I used to think it was like it was the only thing I had going for yes. me. I didn't. I didn't want to dull that. Hundred um, percent. Because I felt. Yeah. I was terrified. I mean, I was terrified of medication because I thought it was going to, I thought I was going to feel like I'd be on cocaine, you know, like yes. that's kind of how I assumed, um, yeah. it would be a, you know, yeah. a stimulant would be. And I was like, yeah. that is one thing I do not need. Exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly right. And yeah, I, I didn't want that part of me to go. Cause exactly. I was like, I really like that part of me. So, um, I just stuck with my, my medication that was an antidepressant, which, uh, which has been helping me with any of the down periods I've had really, really well. Um, so I just kind of left it and I tried to manage my way through the symptoms, which, you know, is, um, you know, I'm really quite impulsive, as I've said, but really, really hard to relax. I hate relaxing, but I have to force myself to relax. You know, that relationship sensitivity, which thanks to you, and I forget who you were talking to about rejection sensitive dysphoria, but um, I, I relate to that a lot, you know, boredom can become really painful for me. Like it's actually painful. I hate it so much. That lack of organization, despite constant, I'm constantly trying different organization systems. I'm constantly doing a new to-do list or a new diary or a new planning system and just chopping and changing to try and find something that works. But you know, I get a, I, it's fun for a few days and then I'm like, oh, this is boring. I'll, I'll just drop it. And then I, you know, <laughs> chaos again. And, you know, starting hobbies with, with vigor, you know, starting, I remember I started surfing and I'm like, oh, I can't wait. I'm going to be a surfer. And then you just drop it like a hot potato when it's, you know, <laughs> when it becomes a bit boring or you don't really resonate with it as much as you thought you would. 
Um, After you've already spent, you know, hundreds oh, of dollars. Oh yeah, I bought a wetsuit. I bought a <laughs> I bought a proper wetsuit because it was winter. I got a proper board. I was just ridiculous. And I guess you know my favorite favorite symptom that I'm identifying with is that hyperfocus, which mm-hmm. allows me to be really productive in a sea of like my disorganization. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really, yeah, it felt, it feels like that those are the moments when I am on fire and, and I'm so interested when I hear women who were either diagnosed or were convinced that they had bipolar two, because that is what I thought I had as well, because you go through that pendulum swing uh, with such intensity from hyper-focus to then the depression and the lethargy and the sort of feeling of like, just like absolute piece of shit syndrome. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you, I forget who you're talking to. I've listened to, I've actually binged all your podcasts. (laughs) It's typical, but you were speaking to someone about what was it? uh, Depression due to lack of stimulation or something. And I was like, Oh, I so get that. I so, I so hear that. Like when I'm not stimulated and when I'm bored, I'm depressed. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, it's so interesting hearing all these things. Um, yeah, and you go from like yeah. zero to a hundred too. Yeah. It's not like it's not like you're sort of like, oh, I'm mildly depressed yeah. or I'm mildly bored. You go yes. to like, oh my god, I can't yeah. stand. Like when you even when yeah. you were like, I hate relaxing. I'm like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like who who says that? But <laughs> yeah, it's really fascinating why that is. Like why yeah. relax relaxation is so difficult for it's stressful. us. I think is interesting. Yeah, it is. Relaxation is stressful. Um, and that's the opposite of what it should be. But I guess, I guess what really opened my eyes, um, was speaking to my colleague at work. So he he asked me what I was doing after work. And I said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to try and relax because I hate relaxing, but I need to force myself to do it. And he sort of sarcastically said, Oh, I have no idea what that feels like. And he sort of shared with me his late diagnosis of ADHD, um, only a year prior and, and how it completely changed his life. And, and we got talking about symptoms and I was like, Oh my God, this guy's me. You know, he's describing my situation. And then, Katie, I must say, you know, a whole heap of what you were posting on Instagram, as you said before, was really resonating with me. And I was just like, I didn't even know these symptoms were ADHD related. I had no idea. When you talk about the hyper-focus, I thought because I could hyper-focus and I could really excel at things and get things done when I wanted to and when I was interested, I thought that meant I didn't have ADHD. I excelled at uni because I love the content so much and I got so absorbed in it but you know I'd sit there for hours studying or working on assignments not going to the bathroom forgetting to eat ignoring my family because I was just so focused and just so in the moment but then on the other hand subjects like statistics which I had to do for psychology I, I just couldn't do it and it would make me so tired and I'd get so upset because it was like there was this deficit that I wasn't interested in it and my brain just could not organize the learning it had to do around that subject. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and when I recently went back to look at my report cards, it, I mean, it was so funny, like, you know, the, my report cards were either D's and F's or A plus, you know, like I got yeah. an A plus every semester in French and the, and the French teacher was always like, Très bien, like a wonderful job. And, yeah. and yeah. because the, and, and the other thing was fascinating to me was the absences, like in high school, my geography class that I always failed, 
I had like 35 absences per semester. And then French, I had no absences. (laughs) So it was just like, it's really like a light switch. You know, you're either like so on or just like, nope, can't do it. Yes, exactly. It's so interesting. I was the same with with school, with with high school. I failed my HSE because I liked one subject at school and that was English and I got a high distinction. And then the rest, I was like, not hate it, failed. Just couldn't do it. And I think that that is, you know, I've just learned so much about why we beat up on ourselves because Mm. we sort of have, you know, not only are people telling us our whole lives, just do it, just do it, just study more, just figure it out. But I think we also in our younger years or even as adults, we don't necessarily know what is going to be interesting and what isn't. (laughs) And so I feel like there's that sense of of disconnection too, where it's like, well, why can't I do statistics? You know, like I should be, I'm a smart person. Like that's the thing. The the other thing too, which is sort of like, I'm a smart person. Why didn't I know this? Why can't I figure this out? Like you even said, like I, you know, you have all these advanced psych degrees. Like how did I not know this? How did this never occur to me until now? And there's that sense of, like constant confusion as to who you are and why you're such this puzzle. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and when you try and figure it out, it's like, there's a block there that you just can't get past it. So it's so bizarre. So where, so I'm sorry, where are you in your diagnosis journey? Have you been officially diagnosed or are you still waiting? Okay. So yes, long story short, I've, I've just discovered all this stuff about myself. So I've got an appointment with my psychiatrist in a couple of weeks Mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk to him about this revelation and, you know, next steps and maybe trying medication or maybe seeing what options I have. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not sure, obviously, what he'll say, but, you know, I'll go from there. Are you worried that he's going to say no? I'm kind of, I'm worried a little bit because it would explain so many things that I actually genuinely struggle with, like mm-hmm. things that just make life really difficult like my lack of organization like all the things that I try really hard at that I just can't get like keeping the house tidy so my husband doesn't get annoyed at me (laughs) yeah that's a huge thing yeah and and why is it so hard you know I absolutely love having a neat house a neat Mm. tidy organized house I love it but I just I'm so bad at it I just can't do it well, you're bad at it because it's a boring, terrible job. Like, why is that yeah. something that you feel like you even need to be good at? That's the other thing. I think like as women, we have yeah. this enormous amount of pressure to be yes. homemakers. And yeah. then if you take one minute to objectively look at what this task oh. is, you're like, of course, I'm terrible at this. I know. I know. This is not bringing me towards my goals. I do not want to be doing it. Right. But yeah, I, I read an article recently about how important it is for the ADHD brain to have minimalism and tidiness in the home and like why we all love Marie Kondo yes. and, and there's that disconnect. Like I just need to throw everything out and start fresh. And like when I was younger in my <laughs> 20s, I moved every two years and it was great. Yeah. I loved yeah. purging. I loved yes. getting rid of everything yeah. and always hated unpacking. <laughs> But now, like, as I'm older, we have kids and we're more settled. We've lived in this house now for 10 years and Mm -hmm. it is driving me bonkers. Just like thinking about the attic and thinking about the clutter and and I'm, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't, and like, I keep saying to my husband, I'm like, I just want to get a dumpster 
and just throw everything out and start fresh. Yeah, <laughs> you should do that. Right? <laughs> I want to live in a trailer, basically. Like, I want to like that's my dream is to is to just like get a tiny house and have one oh. coffee mug and just like keep keep moving. Oh, Thelma and Louise good. style. That would be so good. That would be I so know. good. <laughs> I do. Anyway, where oh so yeah, I was going to ask you about the whole doctor visit because mm-hmm. I personally like when I was having my intake appointment, like mm-hmm. I brought all of these tests and all of these self assessments, and I want I like came armed with all this paperwork because I was terrified yeah. that she was going to say no, this isn't this isn't what you have, and yeah. then something that I felt so keenly like this was everything this explained everything and if it wasn't ADHD I was I didn't know what I was going to do and and so I showed up like just absolute and I also was worried I was going to forget everything that's what I'm worried about happened yeah yeah And so I showed up with all this paperwork and I like was like, yeah, I just want you to know that these tests, I did these tests. I did. I'm like so earnestly trying to explain everything yeah. to her. And she was basically like, you had me at hello. Like, look at, look at you with your tests. Of course you have it. <laughs> but I made her say it out loud, too. That was the other thing I, I made before I left the office. I said, you have to tell me out loud oh that I have ADHD and what yeah. type it is, because if you don't. And it's just sort of assumed I'm yeah. going to leave here thinking I've misconstrued or I misunderstood. Like yep. it's so important for us to like have that labeling and 100%. to have that diagnosis. Yeah, that definite, that definite answer. Right. But yet yeah. at the same time, I don't think a doctor's diagnosis is really the end all. Like, I don't think that's the beginning of your journey. I think your own diagnosis is really the beginning yeah. of your journey because you start, you you identify with it so strongly that then you start to think, okay, now what do I do? You know, do I want medication? Do I not? What's working? What's not working? Oh, look at all of these things that I sort of already intuitively do anyway. You know, like I I say this all the time, but I I feel like the diagnosis is, is half of the treatment. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, so many, so many of my guests say like, oh, I'm not officially diagnosed. Is that okay? And I'm just like, girl, like, you know. (laughs) That's what I said to you. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. And exactly. wait till I'm diagnosed. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah. And I, I feel like that is so unfortunate and yet so obvious as to why people with ADHD feel like they need to get that diagnosis. And because we have so little self-trust. But at the same time, like we, we know ourselves so well that by the time we get to the doctor's office with all of our paperwork, like it's so clear. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So no, I definitely hear that. I'm like, oh, I'm nervous for my appointment because I'm like, what if he says, no, you're just really disorganized. (laughs) Oh, you're really lazy. (laughs) Or everybody, this is every, I mean, that's the thing with motherhood too. Oh, all all mothers struggle, you know, like that feeling of like, oh, you're, you're exaggerating this and it's really not that bad. And I think that's something that so many of us dealt with, especially mothers who were misdiagnosed with depression or not even, I don't know if it's a misdiagnosis, but you know, for so many of us who were treated with depression and anxiety from, from postpartum uh, and that feeling again of like, is it really that bad or am I just overinflating it? And exactly. 
um, am I even struggling? You know, is this normal? Absolutely. All that questioning. And as you say, the, the, the lack of trust, because, you know, we, we, we change our mind on things and drop things like a hot potato. So it's like, is future Jess going to feel this way? You know, is, Mm. do I trust myself to it's, it's, it's so, it's so interesting how we don't trust. Absolutely. And, and I love, you know, the idea of like present, present Jess and future Jess. I talk that way all the time with my kids and my (laughs) husband. And I I wonder, like, I feel that very fragmented that way too, because it's like, am I setting myself up for success or is tomorrow me going to be really angry with what I have chosen to do with my time right now? But again, that feeling of like, I don't trust myself. And I, yeah, like you said, like my interests and my direction could change on a dime and I have no idea what's going to spark it or why or how I'm going to pivot but yeah exactly exactly it's so interesting even things like organizing social plans and stuff it's like oh yeah let's do this let's do this tomorrow we'll meet up then and then tomorrow comes in future Jess is like why did I make plans I actually (laughs) hate doing things (laughs) Right. The age old question. Am I an introvert or an extrovert? I have no idea. 100%. Because sometimes I'm like, I'm 100% an extrovert. I'm so motivated. I'm so into being around people. I get energy from it. And then other times I'm like, I'm so drained from people. I need to just go into my room and watch Netflix for like three weeks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. This is why I hate personality tests in general, because I feel like personality tests are always like, would you describe yourself as highly organized or would you describe yourself as a chaotic mess? And I'm like, I am both I at am all both. times. hundred <laughs> percent. At work, I'm the most organized person. At home, I'm the most disorganized person. Like I just can't choose. This episode is brought to you by Loop Earplugs. Loop earplugs are my ultimate companion to a calmer and more focused life. If you're also an adult with ADHD, autism, or sensory issues, rest assured Loop earplugs are designed with us in mind. Whether you're at your favorite coffee shop or in your office cubicle or simply at home with your kids, with their advanced noise reduction technology, Loop earplugs gently lower the volume without blocking out the world completely. They're made from soft hypoallergenic materials that are comfortable for extended wear. They fit snugly in your ears, ensuring you can wear them discreetly throughout the day. Plus, they come with a sleek carrying case, making them convenient to take with you wherever you go. Now that I'm in grad school, I love to use the Engage Plus loops whenever I'm walking around campus. They're specifically designed to reduce the level of sound entering my ear without completely blocking out all noise. My teenager loves her quiet loops for studying, and my son loves his Engage Kids loops for short intervals like riding the school bus or taking tests at school. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get 10% off your order when you visit loopearplugs.com slash women ADHD. That's loopearplugs.com slash women ADHD. And you can find that link in the episode show notes. Your life, your volume. I met my husband, we moved in together when I was 27. So I spent like five or six years living alone. And I was incredibly tidy and organized when I lived alone. But I because I was like, you know, I knew that if I left dishes in the dish in the sink, Mm -hmm. I would never get to them. So I would like wash my dish as soon as I used it and put it would put it away. And I I was like, almost thought I had OCD because I, I also would like when I would unpack, 
from when I would move all the time, I would unpack my books and I would like have everything be alphabetized by Ooh. author's last name. And I've seen people with ADHD, like you look at their bookshelf and they have like everything color coded or like there's ways in which we get like super hyper organized. Yes. But then when I moved in with my husband and he started putting books, he was combining all of our books together for the first time and he was putting them on the shelf and he was putting them like willy nilly, oh. not even like in the same direction like yeah. some of the oh. letters were facing one way and some of the letters were facing the other oh, way no. and I just like I couldn't take it yeah. I don't right I was like you feel that pain I was yeah, like I don't I, I don't know what to do with this I just give up and I gave yeah. you know and I've never I'm like I will never look at the books again <laughs> like, <laughs> you know like you just shut down it's so funny because you're you do you do get hung up on that sort of stuff and then your partner's like how can you be hung up on this stuff when you leave all your crap everywhere <laughs> It's like, I just can. <laughs> yeah. But it's like you said, it's like that feeling of constantly being in a state of organizing, yeah. even though, or, or because we feel so chaotic. I mean, it is, it's just like, it's, you know, like they say with kids, like shoveling snow in a snowstorm. Yeah. Although I don't know, do you have that in Balmy, Australia? No, I don't. <laughs> you have that phrase? <laughs> But like, have you heard that phrase before? Have you heard no, that idiot before? Really. Is Snowing it like, in a, shoveling is it like snow shuffling, in a snowstorm. Is it like shoveling deck chairs on the Titanic? Shuffling yeah, probably deck chairs on the Titanic. Yeah. yeah, probably the same idea, right? Okay. Which is basically yeah. like, what's the freaking point? Yes, that's and, exactly you know, right. And, and right, and so you throw babies into the mix, and then you're just like, yeah, forget it. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I, I'm done. I give yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So looking back at your own childhood, mm -hmm. uh, what are some things about growing up that you look back and think, oh, yes, of course, that was ADHD. How did nobody, I guess, how did nobody know? How did nobody know? Um, I guess definitely my report cards. You know, a, a lot of them were creative but needs to focus, has potential but needs to focus, easily distracted, needs more attention to detail, that sort of stuff. So definitely that. Also, just really getting quite, I guess not upset, but just just really agitated about being bored. Like I remember my mum saying, Jess, you're going to have to sometimes get used to being by yourself and, and not, not having things to constantly do. But I just found that so, so painful. And, and when I would get bored, I would feel really, even as a child, I'd feel really depressed and just really like, what's wrong with me? I, I just can't stand not having stimulation, I guess that, that that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the report cards, the pain from boredom, more of my symptoms, I think emerged. I think they were the main things, just thinking that I couldn't do things and, and having difficulty doing things, particularly things like maths and just thinking I was really dumb, but then excelling in things like English, like just things just not really adding up for me. And and because of that, I just wouldn't try. And I'd just be like, what's the point? I'm really bad at this. I'm not even going to try. Because there was some sort of blockage there in my brain or something that I just couldn't organise my mind to do certain things like maths. And then I guess, you know, as I've gotten older, it's been sort of the impulsivity and the hyper-focus that's sort of taken over in terms of symptoms. Yeah, I think um, I remember when I first took the self-test, I was so surprised at the ways 
in which, because, you know, I originally took an, an adult ADHD self-test from Attitude mm-hmm. Magazine that was for men and women. Uh-huh. And I didn't, I didn't score, I think I scored like a 66% or something, okay. yeah. but there were a lot, you know, because there were a lot of questions about physical hyperactivity that I didn't relate to about yes. like feeling jittery and stuff. Yeah. But then when I took the woman one, it was so much more about impulsive shopping or balancing the checkbook or, you know, things like, yeah, where I was like, oh, Oh. okay, I see this now. And then they were asking things like, do you hate the idea of spontaneously having people come over to your house? And I was like, oh my, yes. What is with that though? Because I'm the same. I'm like, I love being stimulated, but then if someone pops over unexpected, I'm like, can this please not be happening right now? Or if my (laughs) husband invites people over and like, oh, so-and-so's coming over this afternoon. I'm like, why? Why did you do that? Right. I think it has a lot to do with like masking, you know, and and this idea that you can Mm. kind of, you have this public persona of being together. And if somebody finds out that you're a hot mess, then, then that would be disastrous. Like, I feel like we all kind of have this feeling like we don't quite know how we're holding it all together, but we are just holding it all together. And so whenever you throw something into the mix, if it's a baby or, you know, something like you get into a fender bender or something, and then all of a sudden you're just like, no, I can't handle it. Like you feel like you are, you know, at the very, very top of the cup and, and any kind of bump, the water's going to start to overflow. Yes. That's so so true. Right. So that's like, you know, having somebody come over and, and having your house maybe be a disaster, or your yeah. toilet's disgusting or whatever, you know, you're just like, oh my God, it's the end of the yeah. world. Yeah, exactly. And my, my, I remember my doctor asking me too about traffic. She was like, you know, cause I was like, I'm not hyperactive. I don't know what you're talking about. And then she asked me like, what, you know, how do you feel when you're stuck in traffic? And I'm like, I want to rip yeah. the steering wheel yeah. out of the dashboard. Yep. <laughs> I realized yep. like, oh, right. Like b- yep. rage is actually a form of hyperactivity. Yes. <laughs> if we, and, and kind of like a, co- it's almost like a combination of hyperactivity and impulsivity in a way. Yes, absolutely. And, and, right. So yeah, I was like, yeah, I've got a little bit of that quick to rage issue yeah, <laughs> I've always yeah. had that fine. even when I was a kid yeah fine. what are some moments in your life where you feel like looking back you think you know that your symptoms were strongest yeah. or you know because I know for so many of us it was like yeah I pretty much managed and then I had a baby and everything fell apart well that's interesting actually because I feel like ever since having children I feel like my symptoms have become more at the forefront. So one example that really sticks out to me, which is I actually thought this was a symptom of bipolar. One day I used to have these big ideas. Well, I still have these big ideas. And, and you know, one day I decided I'd come off maternity leave. I'd gone back to work and I decided I want to take over my boss's business. So back in another lifetime, I worked in public relations and I was an account director in a small agency, um, which I loved. And I had a bee in my bonnet. I was like, I want my own business. And I, I wanted it then and there. And, you know, my colleague who's, who's now one of my best friends and I decided, you know, we could do this. We could run this business together. It'd be amazing. We'd do our own hours. We'd run it the way we wanted. So um, at the time my boss was actually a little bit complacent about her business. So it wasn't a completely far out idea. 
she sort of kept talking about how she was kind of over it was thinking of shutting it down so I was like yes I'm doing this I'm going to make this business mine so mind you I was also working part-time for her. I was working part-time for her I was studying psych full-time and I had a, a baby that was like what four months so I, where this business was going to fit in I'm not sure it just was I was going to make it work. So so the night that I had this big epiphany, I was going to take over the business. I couldn't sleep. I got up at, at, at 4 a.m. because I wasn't sleeping and I started texting my family about how I was going to do this. I walked to my parents' house who were about an hour's walk away to tell them because it was too early to call them. It was actually like it was like that scene in Silver Linings Playbook where Bradley Cooper has a revelation and he wakes up his parents in the middle of the night. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but, they're, but they're used to those sort of antics, so it was okay. Um, and, then, and then for the rest of the weekend I put together my pitch, I did a big keynote presentation, I hyper-focused the whole weekend on that. It was awesome. The pitch was awesome. The presentation was awesome. Monday morning came and my friend was like, Jess, do you think we should just think about this a little bit more? And I was like, no, this is happening today. The thought of putting that off was painful to me. Like there is no way I'm putting this off. We're doing it right now. And, and we did the presentation and my boss was like, um, can I think about this? <laughs> and so eventually she said no, that she wanted to keep the business. And, and then I dropped it like a hot potato. I was like, okay, cool. Next idea. <laughs> you know, what was that? <laughs> But I guess, you know, there's, there's other smaller signs like I've got probably literally 100 books on my Kindle that I've started that I haven't finished, you know. I'm always doing courses. I'm doing my postgrad psych studies at the moment, but I'm also finishing my intuitive eating certification and studying another course in weight management psychology and trying to do another booster business course. Like it's just I've always got things on the go. And there's mm-hmm. always one relatively big thing happening. And if there isn't something happening, I need something to be happening. Yeah. I know. It's dizzying when you think about yeah. <laughs> all, all of the different, you know, not only just like the different careers that we've had over the years. Oh, yeah. Uh, but exactly. also that's it. Yeah, that's it. Like, I feel like I am always in the middle of getting some sort of certification or, you know, or like, you know, last week I was like, you know, I hired this business coach who's helping me really just sort of stay on point. And like her job is to remind me to just do one thing, you know, just do one thing and everything else gets to go on this list. And like, you know, I had to call her last week and be like, so I accidentally made a merch site this week. Oh my God, you spoke in with those t-shirts and stuff. I know. And right? I just was like, I just kind of fell down this that. hole. I, I had this idea and I was like, I can't not run with it. Like I have I to it. do it. And then, you know, whatever happens, happens. Yes. And then I emerged at the end and was like, oh no, now I have to tell my business coach that I, I spent all this time doing this. That is so funny. But A, that is awesome. And B, I reckon that's where all the good ideas come from when you just go, oh, this is my idea. I'm going to push through it. I'm going to see it to the end. And then if it's if it's crap, then cool, I'll move on to the next one. Like we don't have those attachments to ideas like other people do. Like mm, see what happens. That's a great point. Right? Yeah. yeah. We just, we're just throwing shit against the wall left oh, right and whatever sticks. See what sticks. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> 
That's true. And, and, you know, the one thing good thing about having grit like that is mm. like you said, like, if it doesn't work out, you just move on. Whatever. You're fine. Like I yeah. have, I, I don't dwell on anything. I don't dwell on relationships. I don't like, I, I can no. ruminate for weeks about something, but mm. like, I don't dwell. There's a difference. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. yeah and can, I think we that's, can move on quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it's such an emotional roller coaster because like we talk about this and it's like, yes, like, you know, we're talking about this. And I'm like, yeah, this is the superpower part of ADHD. Yeah. And I, I understand why people are always talking about how it's a superpower. And I love it. Yeah. I love everything about it. And then you're like, oh, but then there's the grief. And then there's yeah. how much I struggle. Yep. And what do I do with all that? Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And and just the the contrast between your productive self and your switched on self and then the other self that's that is a bit disorganized and that can't figure some things out like there's just that disconnect between the two selves that I find hard it's a it's a bit of a roller coaster and also not only that but then realizing that the excitement, the thrill oh. is in creating things. Yeah. And so once they are created, once they are completed, you're no longer interested. No, you move on. Oh right. God. Oh my God. And that's so true. Right. And it's yes. so frustrating because I just sort of made this connection recently where I'm like, no wonder we all have such terrible self-esteem. We don't take any time to appreciate anything we've done because that is not exciting to us. It's the, it's the chase and the creation that is exciting. But then the minute it's done and somebody's like, you did a good job. And you're yeah. like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, it, you're moving I, on. You've just, and you've just spoken to my thoughts. Like that is so true. You've hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah. I, I will do something and my, one of my best friends will go, Oh my God, just that's awesome. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Next thing, whatever. Right. Like, we recently sold our house and, and, and everyone's like, Oh, that's amazing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah cool. Now we've got to buy one. It's like, I, yeah. I don't care. What's the next thing? Mm -hmm. And it's the same. Yeah, I think it's the same thing with just general compliments. You know, like somebody can tell me I'm a good mom over and over and over again. I'm not going to believe them yeah, um, yeah. until like I figure out. Like, I yeah. think I'm a good mom. But yeah. I, you know, it's like something about people's compliments mean nothing to me. <laughs> like, there's just like this mental block. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. I think it's the fact that to be honest, it's more exciting to be depressed. Like it's, it's more exciting to yeah. be, uh, what's the word? Like angsty, you know, yeah. and yeah. it's not exciting to us to be fulfilled. No. no, it's yeah. It's just that stimulation, whether it's slight, whether it's good or whether it's bad, it's that stimulation for us. That is mm -hmm. rewarding, I guess. Hey friend, if there's one thing I've learned about ADHD over the last few years is that we can thrive with the right combination of accountability, planning, coaching, and peer support. Knowing all this, I set out to create the ultimate all-in-one coaching and accountability community for adults with ADHD or learning disabilities. I knew I couldn't do it alone, so I joined forces with one of my favorite ADHD coaches, Alex Gilbert of Capable Consulting, and together we launched the ADHD Lounge. The lounge was created as a safe place for neurodivergent adults away from other social media, where we offer live group calls, co-working and body doubling every weekday for accountability, focus, 
and skill development. We have weekly and monthly goal planning sessions to keep yourself on track. We also have one-on-one office hours with myself and Alex, and of course, friendship and lots of peer support. We have three different membership levels to meet you where you're at. So if you're looking for an affordable way to stay connected, productive, and accountable, while also having regular access to ADHD coaching and expertise, then make sure to come join me in the ADHDlounge.com. Again, that's the ADHDlounge.com. And as a listener of the Women in ADHD podcast, you can get 30% off your first month with the code PODCAST30. So head to the ADHDlounge.com and use the code PODCAST30 to get 30% off your first month. During the early days of my diagnosis, as I was deep into hyperfocus ADHD research mode, I kept searching for some kind of all-in-one, everything you ever needed to know about ADHD and women handbook that I could reference and keep at my fingertips, but I never really found anything that suited me. That's why I've taken everything I've learned about ADHD in women and adults who are socialized as girls, and I've gathered it into a concise, easy-to-access self-guided and self-paced course so you can feel like you've got everything you need at your fingertips. It's called, Hey, it's ADHD, and it has everything you need to start loving your brain and living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. I built this course to be helpful wherever you are on your ADHD journey. I am so excited to finally be able to offer this course, and I truly hope this will help you develop a deeper understanding of your ADHD brain and how to embrace it as you build yourself a toolkit for your own life. So head over to womenandadhd.com and click on the Hey, It's ADHD course tab for more information and to get started. So I also want to talk to you about dieting because, you mm-hmm. know, we've, we've, we share so much in our work about our own history with dieting yes. and body image. Yep. And I feel like I, again, like had so many light bulbs about, about dieting, you know, and mm-hmm. that all or nothing mentality yes. and, um, and why I did what I did over the years and, and yep. why diets appeal so much. Yes to our brains and that idea of like, Oh my goodness, my whole life is out of control. The one thing that's going to fix everything is if I start weighing and tracking and counting and, you know, working on losing weight and all of that stuff. And so I'm curious now looking back with an ADHD lens, Mm -hmm. you know, what, how do you feel about your own history with your body image and kind of what revelations are you? I feel like a lot of it, it, I feel like a lot of it could be explained by this. I feel like I was, I I can't actually remember when I wasn't on a diet or a diet plan or something where I'd write something out or track my food or have some sort of control over what I was doing with my body because it gave me that sense of control in, in so much chaos, I think. I also think because I did struggle a lot with binging a lot and I I'm wondering if that was because I couldn't handle boredom, you know, and Mm -hmm. things like eating in the car and things like that when you're driving, you know, I used to do that a lot because I I can't be, I'm I'm in the car. This is so freaking boring. I I can't just be in the car. What else can I be doing? And now I listen to podcasts and do things like, I don't know, drink as much water as I can or whatever. There always has to be some goal while I'm doing something, but eating and that I guess the dopamine rush you get from binging and that I think that explains a lot of that as well and that I needed to be stimulated and I couldn't just be sitting there driving I had to be getting a hit of dopamine somewhere does that make sense 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. When I'm, when I'm long distance driving by myself, I yeah. always have to have, usually I'll buy the biggest bag of baby carrots I can find <laughs> and, and a couple bags of popcorn because I need to constantly be eating yes. and I need to constantly be crunching. Yes. Uh, and I sort of always thought it was like to keep me focused, you know, to keep me awake and to keep yeah. me focused on the road. Yeah. But if I had anything more substantial, like I would get so like my stomach would hurt. So yes. like, I was yes. like, I need to find something that's empty enough that I can continue eating it throughout this six hour car ride yes. without feeling like I'm going to puke. That's so interesting. That's so funny because I went through a stage. I've had many stages where I, um, where I was like, I'm going to do in Australia, we have this thing called crunch and sip for kids at, at recess at, at, at sort of um, morning tea where they have to bring vegetables or fruit to school and they, there's a set time for them to eat it to increase their nutrients. So I was like, I'm going to do crunch and sip in my car. So I'm just going to have vegetables and I'm just going to eat heaps of vegetables to keep me from getting bored. And that lasted literally a day and then I dropped it. (laughs) (laughs) But it is interesting too looking at it through this new lens and looking at dopamine and how Mm -hmm. food and dopamine, how what that plays in our lives, especially as dieters, because I always felt like, binging was uh, a symptom of mm. the deprivation of dieting. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. And that was sort of what I believed. That was what I taught my clients. Yeah. And I still do to yeah. a certain degree, yeah. but I also realize I'm also much more in tune with kind of like what, when am I eating and why? Like yeah. I, I noticed since we've been doing so much remote learning that mm-hmm. like, as soon as I get off of a call or mm-hmm. a zoom call or anything that's like really socially, intense, I immediately go eat food. And, um, and I was like, that's right. Well, I was like, no, I think it's really calming. I mean, I think that is, you know, food is a really simple, easy way to boost your dopamine and get that calming feeling. And so I often wonder, because I was a nighttime binger, that I think that there's something about food, just like alcohol that you like, you're like, this is a great way for me to calm down my brain. But then at the same time, because you're a dieter, if you start eating food and you know, you shouldn't, then your brain starts getting ramped up with all the guilt and shame. And then it just becomes like you're on this hamster wheel of like, like, I'm trying to calm myself down. So I'm going to eat more. And there's that sort of like that reptilian part of you that wants to calm yourself down. And then there's the diet part of you. That's like, this is a terrible thing to do. I'm getting all worked up over it. And so I don't know what I think anymore. Honestly, I have no idea because I feel like the the concept of binge eating, Mm -hmm. especially since I know, I now know how common it is Mm -hmm. for women who have ADHD. And I feel like there are so many factors at work. I mean, you think about just the inattentiveness with which we eat, right? So I really had to reevaluate intuitive eating. Um, and, and sort of what I've struggled with, with intuitive eating, because I've really have struggled in, in secret for all of these years as being a body positive, being haze really sort of politically and philosophically Mm. really, really aligning with anti-diet philosophies, but at the same time, always feeling like I was a failure at intuitive eating because Mm. I can't tune into my hunger and fullness in a way that like, I still felt like I was doing it badly, you know, and I realized 
you know, that's sort of the catch 22 with intuitive eating. You can't yep. do it badly. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but I also sort of felt like I wasn't happy. And that was something that I really struggled with for yeah. a long time, which was like, I'm, I feel like I've supposedly found this freedom. I wrote a book about freedom, yep. but I didn't feel free. And, and so like, I, I just feel like this diagnosis has thrown everything up in the air and yeah. like I, I'm I'm reevaluating so much but I'm especially reevaluating like why do we binge eat like yeah. what is the thing is it dopamine is it stimulation is yeah. it all of the above is it deprivation yeah. is it all like there's I don't freaking know like there's too many factors I feel like with I feel like if you're dieting you've you have got that deprivation and you are going to binge eat that's just what's going to happen because that's what right. happens with restriction that's going to happen but then I think as you say there's a lot more other things at play like for me I would the propensity for me to binge would be huge because I'd be restricting so that was a huge part of my life now I've stopped the restricting I wouldn't say that I would binge anymore I would maybe eat because I'm bored though so yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily be binging and starting tomorrow because that's what grew from my deprivation. It's more, I'm really bored. I need to do something. Oh, I'm going to eat something. And, you know, sometimes I catch myself and go, oh, you're not really hungry. Just what else can we do to occupy our brain? Um, but sometimes I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I'll just eat something. You, do you know what I mean? Like not putting too yeah. much pressure on it. That's a really good distinction. I shouldn't even be calling it binge eating because it's true. Like I, I often have say that, you know, binge eating is more about how you feel while you're eating than it is what yes. you're eating. And yes. so I very quickly, when I left dieting, yes. I stopped binge eating because I no yes. longer felt guilt and I no longer felt like I needed to wake up the next morning and start fresh, like oh, you said. God. So the binge eating was not, was gone in that sense of like, oh my God, I can't stop myself. I'm so out of control. I yes. feel terrible about myself. That yes. was stopped. Yes. But there was this feeling of like, I, I like to eat beyond yeah. fullness because I like how it feels, you know, like mm. there's something about eating beyond fullness that feels mm. good. And why does that feel good? And what is that? And then I have to unpack all of these sort of underlying societal guilt and shame with that, yeah. you know, like, and, and, yes. and, you know, all of the messages that you receive over your life as a woman yeah. that you're sort of like, oh, well, screw that. I'm going to do it anyway. And absolutely. But then, but then at the same time being like, well, yeah, but I also feel terrible yeah. <laughs> and, absolutely. and unpacking all of that sense of like, okay, what am I doing? That's, is this for my health? Is this for my size? You know, all of those questions that you yes. have to ask yourself in diet recovery anyway. Exactly. Now I'm like, oh, I'm overthinking freaking everything. Yeah. I know. Because that's what we do. Yeah, we do. We do. We do. And it's really hard to, to deliver a straight answer because there's <laughs> bringing in all these factors and it's just like, oh, yeah. Well, and then you like Google ADHD nutrition and it's a, a, it's a mess because all of a sudden now you're getting all of this, you know, all of this information about how you're, what vitamins and supplements you're supposed to take and how you're supposed yes. to do this and avoid sugar and all of this other yes. stuff. And I'm like, you know, you don't, I don't want to get pulled into no. that diet mentality of no. like, oh, I have to do all of these things and I have to do 150% yes. or nothing. Yes, um, exactly. Right. It really appeals to that diet or mindset. It does. And, and I get, I think we can also trick ourselves into going, oh, this is a, this is the sort of thing we should follow for our ADHD brains. Okay. I'm going to do that when really it's probably because we're sort of focused on wanting to get back into that dieting mentality because, you know, that's where our brain goes all the time. And it's hard to sort of get away from that. 
Yeah. Or just, you know, to fight the chaos. Like this is what is, yes. this is finally the solution to all of my problems. You know, this is how we always feel about things. We get so excited. And so it's like, oh my goodness, so you know, fish oil is suddenly going to be the thing that <laughs> figures out everything, you know, and, yeah. and living on this planet long enough to know that, okay, this is not going to be the solution to all of my exactly. problems. But exactly. at the same time, you know, I, I also like to geek out about the science of certain supplements and what yeah. they might do for my brain. Yes. And, oh my God, it's exhausting. Exactly. It is exhausting, <laughs> isn't it? It's exhausting. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, yeah, I know. And I see so many women in ADHD Facebook groups who are struggling so much mm. with dieting and, and body image and binge eating and, mm. and desperately wanting to lose weight. And then it's mm. like you get 80 answers from other ADHD women and it's who are just like, Oh, well, have you tried melatonin? Oh, have you tried, yeah. you know, you have to do this. Oh, you need to yeah. intermittent fast. You need to do this. And it's yeah. like, Oh, I did paleo or no or keto. That's the other one where it's like, Oh, keto. that's going to solve everything. And oh, you're just God. like, Oh my God, this is like, ah, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's just so tiring and exhausting. But yeah. I, but I also sort of feel like it's still, a puzzle to mm. be figured out. Like I still, like, I can't stay away, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like Great. Absolutely. Because I, I still feel like I'm, I'm fascinated by solving this puzzle. Yes. And I guess that's difficult when there aren't, you know, specific answers. We can't find the specific answers. So we constantly want to try and find them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's why, yeah, that's why our personalities are so driven to solving puzzles because yeah. nothing is more of a confusing puzzle than ourselves. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So true. <laughs> uh, now I asked my guests if they could rename ADHD to something else, what would you call it? I'm not sure how, if you feel like you've got an answer for this because I feel like it's so new for you. I do. I do. You do? Oh, of yes, course, you're such I a do. kicker. I knew you <laughs> Mate, I've studied for my test. Um, <laughs> you were cramming, for yeah, sure, yeah. I, was. I have come up with dynamic attention and activity spectrum because I don't want to call it a disorder because I think that promotes stigma and that makes people shy away from getting a diagnosis. And, you know, it is dynamic and it does have to do with attention and activity and it is a spectrum. So. There's my answer. Dynamic attention and activity spectrum. I love that. And I love the the fact that you chose spectrum. And yes. I was like, oh, I should have known. Of course, you've got your psych background. Because I, I think that's something that has been really eye-opening to me on my mm. own ADHD journey, which is just the connection with all of the different neurodivergent mm. brains and diagnoses and yeah. how much they overlap, yeah. you know, and how I feel like I am part of this much bigger diverse community that yeah. includes autism spectrum and you know that there's like I feel like there's so many different thinkers and we all kind of fall into this jumbled mess yes <laughs> uh, Absolutely. I, I, but I just like you know I think spectrum is such a great word for it and mm. I, I love that we all kind of are finding our place somewhere within that large spectrum. Yes. Yeah. And it looks different, I guess, for so many people. So you can't really pigeonhole what it looks like. It's, it's different. Right. Mm. And I also, so I wonder when I tell people, because I'm so open about it now, mm -hmm. you know, when I tell people like, yes, I was diagnosed with ADHD, I'm quite curious, like, what do they think that means? <laughs> you know, 
because Absolutely. I had so many misconceptions in the beginning. Yes. And, and so I'm always wondering, like, do they, they obviously have no idea what I'm talking about and, yep. and they don't have two hours to listen to go <laughs> on and on and on about executive function and hyperfocus and emotional regulation and yeah. RSD. Like, yeah. you know, so yeah. what are they, they, are they just like, well, you don't seem hyper to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm so with you on that. Cause obviously I've been blabbing this to everyone now that I've diagnosed myself. And I'm like, what do people think? And a a lot of the answers I get back is, why do you think you have that? And I'm like, I don't have an hour and a half to explain to you why. Just believe me. (laughs) (laughs) Google it. (laughs) Exactly, Google it. And then I also think, oh, I I always think, oh, people will think that I'm over-exaggerating or just throwing a diagnosis around, you know. Um, I I often Mm. do think that. But or the everybody has, you know, everybody's oh. a little ADHD. It's because of our phones. Right? I know. That's what my mom says to me. She's like, oh, Jess, everyone's a little bit like that. I'm like, no, mom, that's not it. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Do you think your spouse has it? Are you, yeah. are you like overanalyzing everybody in your life right I don't now? Think, yes, I am. I've been <laughs> diagnosing several people, but my, my <laughs> husband definitely does not have it. Although he can't relax at all. Um, but yeah, I don't think he has it. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about where people can find you because I, you do such amazing work and I highly recommend anybody, if you're at, if you've gotten through this episode, go listen to Jess on, uh, the hello body podcast. I will actually put a link to it. Cause that's another fantastic conversation where we get into a lot more detail about what you do, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Um, but quickly here, like where can people find you and, yes. and reach out to you? So, um, probably through Instagram's the best bet and my handle's at the body positive AU. I, I love talking with you. And, you too. Um, Thank you so much. And thanks for opening my eyes up to this potential thing that I've been living with. It, it, it warms the cockles of my heart because like so much of our own diagnosis is that feeling of like, oh my goodness, I feel like a lot of women might be struggling with this and have no idea because I had no idea. And so there's such a huge advocacy element to wanting to spread the word and wanting to explain this in a way because nobody ever explained it to me. I didn't understand it. We all seem to have the same misconceptions about it. And once you sort of make those connections, there's that desperate feeling of like, I want to help as many people as possible. Yes. So it's very rewarding to me that I can so like glad. actually talk to you yes. and feel like um, I'm like your sponsor. Yeah, you are my sponsor. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. If you'd like to find out more about me and my coaching programs, head over to womenandadhd.com. If you're a woman who was diagnosed with ADHD and you'd like to apply to be a guest on this podcast, visit womenandadhd.com slash podcast guest, and you can find that link in the episode show notes. Also, you know we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. Please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible. And if that feels like too much and I totally get it, please just take a few seconds right now to give me a five-star rating or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this gift of neurodivergency. And they may be struggling and they don't even know why. 
I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who discovered she's not lazy or crazy or broken, but she has ADHD. And she's now on the path to understanding her neurodivergent mind and finally using this gift to her advantage. Take care till then. Okay, before we get started with today's episode, have you heard the awesome news? Llama Life now has an iOS app so you can take it with you wherever you go. I have been using Llama Life consistently on my computer for a year now. A year! That's unprecedented. That's like a lifetime in ADHD terms. And now with the new iOS app, I'm able to seamlessly transition between my computer and my iPhone so that my favorite little productivity coach is with me whenever I need it. So what is so special about Llama Life? Well, for starters, it's not a fancy new calendar or planner or complicated productivity management system. It's a time-boxing, single-tasking program that easily integrates with your already existing organizational systems. If you're like me and you struggle with time blindness or maintaining focus throughout your day, then this is the app for you. I love Llama Life because it's simple, effective, and beautifully designed. And dare I say, it makes even the most mundane chore more fun and colorful. If you want to check out the iOS app for yourself, head to the App Store for a free trial and start enjoying that Llama Life for yourself.